Lord, we just thank for this day. We thank for the opportunity we have to come together and study. We do ask that you protect the various families that are have issues right now and that you touch their lives. And Lord, we do lift up Loretta who had the surgery on her eye here earlier this week. And and Lord, you know the needs of each of us and you know how to provide. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Leviticus chapter 23. Last week we studied the fall, uh, the spring feast. Does anybody remember the four spring feasts? Passover. Passover. First fruits. First fruits. Pentecost. Pentecost. Unleavened bread. And unleavened bread. And the correct order for them is, is Passover, unleavened bread, first fruit, and Pentecost. I cheated. All right. I don't care how you remembered it. <laughs> And remember, Jesus died on Pentecost, uh, on Passover, to, to pay for our sins and to deliver us from death. He was buried during unleavened bread, which is the, the, the death to sin. He was resurrected on first fruit, which is new life, and then Pentecost, which is the new beginning, and that is when the church began. So each of those feasts had a definite purpose in the Christian world, and they had a definite purpose in in the world of uh, the Jews because uh, Passover was when they were delivered from Egypt. Unleavened bread is when they didn't have, didn't have the, the bread after the departure from Egypt. Uh, first, first fruit was their entry into the promised land and then Pentecost was his harvest. So let's look at verse 23. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month of the first day of the month you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made of fire unto the Lord. And the Lord spoke again to Moses, saying, Also the tenth day of the seventh month there shall be a day of atonement, and it shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that, in, in that same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. And whatsoever soul be that be not afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it be that does any work in that same day, the same soul will, be destroy, will I destroy from among his people. You will do no manner of work, and, and it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and ye shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at evening, from evening unto evening, and ye shall celebrate the Sabbath. So we're going to look at these two, these two events. Uh, the first one is the, fest, the Feast of Trumpets. And this is a joyous time for the Jews. It, it's a time that in the first day of the seventh month they sound trumpets and they have a holy convocation and don't do any work because it's a sabbath and they are off of a burnt offering and that's pretty much the only thing about this one there's not a whole lot about this it is literally just a celebration of the sabbath and a day of rest and then most people because they look at the seven feast days and they say Okay, the first four were all related to Jesus' first coming, and they believe that the last three are going to be related to his second coming. And what the most scholars believe is that the Feast of Trumpets will be the day that Jesus calls his church in the rapture. All right? So 
you can expect around the trumpets so there's a lot of people looking for <laughs> the rapture and we are coming up on the feast of trumpets we're coming up on these these feasts all this the 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 fall feast all happen in september and october so we're coming right up on this time the when high the high holy days for the for the fall so this one is when a lot of people and i'm one of those i tend to believe that the Trump, feast of trumpets will be when the church is taken and the tribulation begins and the tribulation will begin that after that so now that's for what it's all worth i mean because it's all speculation god said no one knows the days but he also told us that we will know the signs okay no one knows the date but we know the signs and we know we're closing in and we know that the first four feasts all were part of jesus's jesus uh, uh, life and, and and events and it makes sense that the other three feasts will be part of the second coming uh attributes so uh this is where we stand on that or where i stand on that you can make your own stand go research it all you want and find out what you want to believe on it uh, but the feast of the trumpets to the jews is known as the day of the king the proclamation of the king okay which would be the the rapture of the rapture of the church Okay, verse 26 starts, the, and the Lord spoke again and says, On the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement, which shall, and it shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made of fire. And what does atonement mean? We've covered this before. At one. At one meant to be made one with God, atonement. Okay, and and. This is what we taught you. You know, use use at one mint. You know, break it down into its component parts. It's simplistic. It's just like what I say about grace. When you use God's riches at Christ's expense, it's it is a true picture of grace, but it is that's really basic. What again? At one mint, making you one with God. If you change change the words around, you know, the pronouncement of the oh, word yeah. around. It's a good way to remember it. It's 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 the basic. It's much it's much deeper than that, but it. it yeah. But if you can start with that, you're ahead of most Christians who have no idea what atonement means. So, and you'll hear you'll hear pastors all over the all over the radio and other all over the place. They'll say, just break it down. It means at one minute, and it, it's much deeper than that. It, it's a much it's the whole relationship of being made one, literally being made one with God, and it's very deep. But you know, it is it's an easy way to remember it, and it shall be a holy convocation. A convocation is a very big word, but it just means, literally, it means called together. And the second meaning of the word means for a reading. For what? For a reading. 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 And what would happen in the Jewish celebrations on this when they called together? They would spend the day reading the law. And you think, it, you think our church services are interesting, and these church services the rabbi or priest who's reading would sit and everybody else would stand up while they read all five books of the law. So you were standing for three or four hours while the reader sat. This is the Feast of the Tabernacles? Now we're entering into the Atonement Day, the Feast of the Atonement. Okay, second. We're in the second of the fall, fall feasts. So you have a holy convocation you're gathered together for reading and it says you shall afflict your souls you shall humble yourself the day of atonement was 
also known as the day of um, Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah, the day of the sacrifice for forgiveness of sins. Um, so it was a very special day. You would remember your sins. You would remember how much you, you know, that you were worthy of punishment, and then you were to offer the sin sacrifice or go to the temple with your sin sacrifice. Had the scapegoat that was offered where you put your hands upon the goat and it would take the sins, and then it was sent into the wilderness to picturing taking your sins away from you and the goat that died was the one that shed its blood for you uh, so this was a big deal for the for the Jewish people this was the day that they were brought back into fellowship and alignment with God through the sacrifices this is also what what bothers the Jews the most about not having the temple is this particular feast and sacrifice is no longer in existence and they 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 understand they understand by reading the scripture that the shedding of blood is required for the forgiveness of sin but because there is no temple and no sacrifice that can be made they struggle with how can you please God and they've and they've really gone backwards into you do more good than bad and to please God because they know that you can't make the sacrifice and no Jew can just go make a sacrifice it has to be made at the temple by one of Aaron's sons. And one of the things the Jewish people as a whole have been doing really, really strong is they have been leading in the whole genome prop, uh, properties of deciphering the DNA so that they can identify who is, a, who is a Levi, number one, but who is of Aaron's seed, number two. And they're also interested in who is of David's line, <laughs> for ruler, rulers. So, I mean, they've got all these people that they're trying to identify on through DNA because it's important that once they build their temple that they get the right people to be the priests in the temple. And so this is, this is the one day that they're really anxious about getting. The, the Passover and all the other feasts are important to them, but this is the one they're really wanting because this is the one that is forgiveness of sins. Uh, so, and it's a day that they were to afflict their souls. They were to remember their, their sin. They were to remember what they had done wrong. And they, they were to go to the temple and make an offering, or the, in this case, the tabernacle. And then it says, And you shall do no work that so, same day for, for the day of atonement, to make an atonement for you before the Lord God. Right? And whosoever it be that shall not afflict that same day, he shall be cut off from his people. So this is a day, this of all the feast days of the, the Jews is a day of somber reflection. Okay, it is not a day of music and joy and happiness. When they celebrate Passover, it's a joyous event. It's, it's full of games and, and, and routines. When they do the uh, Pentecost, it's a really joyful one. The, the trumpets is a joyful one. Uh, when we get to the, the the Feast of Tabernacles, that's a really big feast for them. And it's seven days. So, but this one is somber. The whole mood of this one is we're going before God to say we're sorry for our sins. And, and it says that if they did not afflict themselves, they would be cut off. 
And we talked about being cut off before, and that means totally separated from your people, rejected, basically as if you had died. Uh, the word literally means to chew up and be destroyed. And so he's saying, this is, a, this is that day. This is the day when you remember your sins and say that you're going to put them on the, on the, on the, on the goat, the, the scapegoat. This is a day of drawing near to God and saying, God, we're sorry, and going through all of the exercises that he gave for this, this event. And all the rest of these things were pretty much joyful times. You know, they were joyful times. I went to a Jewish synagogue, and even the Sabbath is a joyful time for them. It's not a, it's not a sad time. It's a coming before God. But this one day a year was totally different for them. It's, well, it is. It's the high holy day. This is the day that their sins are paid for. The sacrifices are made to pay for sins. And they would do, they'd have their sins literally paid for once a year. All the other sacrifices were, were pretty much free will. You did them because you wanted to. Your burnt offering, showing dedication to God. Your meal offering, uh, the peace offering. All these different offerings that we've been talking about so much through this book. This one, though, is a... This one is one, and it is a totally different, it is a somber day of reflection. Uh, I'm sure that if you were in Jerusalem, the music probably would even be somber that's being played, just because of the, the tone of this day. And God is saying, I want you to think about what it, the importance of this. And this is why for us also, as we think about what Jesus did for us, when he took our sins for us, there's great celebration in that, but there was great pain in what and how he how he accomplished it. His paid his life for our sin, and it cost a fortune everything that God had to buy us back. His very life was put on the line, and this is what this this offering is to to reveal. And it says, and whatsoever soul does any work on that day, that soul will I, and this is talking about God, destroy from his from among his people. This is a serious day. God's saying, if you work on this day, he was going to be the one that ended their life. This, this is serious. This is the day that God's saying, this is the day you're coming into one, into a one relationship with me, and it's a very solemn occasion. And as Amy said, it's considered their one really, it's one of the really high holy days that they have. And this is a big deal and it says you shall do no manner of work for it is a statute forever for your generations and all your dwellings it shall be unto you a sabbath of rest and you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at from evening and from evening and unto evening you shall celebrate your sabbath so on the ninth day the day before the tenth okay remember this one started on the tenth on the ninth day, they have a celebration. So they're having a good time. And then it starts into the Day of Atonement. So that would be Monday, Tuesday? Whatever the ninth falls on. Yeah. The ninth day of the seventh month. Oh, it's, I thought yeah. the No, this is, this is according to the, to the month, which could be any, it could fall on any day. The one thing you want to understand about their dates and stuff, they usually fell, they, their calendar runs according to the moon. All right, and they and they have 28 days in their in their in their months, so they they have an extra month to begin with, and then to bring their months in balance, every 
every few years they add an extra month and bring everything back into line, which is why when we say, when I said that this will fall sometime between September and October, you really have to get into their calendar, compare it to the Roman calendar that we run by and say, here's where it falls into because when they add the extra month, then all of a sudden they'll fall back into they'll fall back into October and then it'll uh, September and then it'll go into October and then fall back to September. And that's why Passover always runs around in different times. Um, and Easter, just so you're aware of it, Easter should be around Passover because Jesus died on Passover and was resurrected on first fruits, which is always going to be a Sunday uh, because it's the first, the first day after the Sabbath after Passover. <laughs> Uh, and Easter is assigned to the sun's position on the equinox, one of the equ vernal equinox, I think it is. I can't remember which one it is, but the spring springtime when the when the sun changes its position. So Easter is totally not balanced where it's supposed to be, and that's because it's not celebration of Jesus's birth originally. It was a celebration of the goddess Estar, which was a fertility god. <laughs> Uh, which is where the rabbits and the and the eggs and all this other garbage comes into Easter from. I always wonder why they did the eggs. It come it comes from. Well, I knew. It comes from the worship I of Estar. Easter egg. Island, I <laughs> Because the worship of Estar was a fertility god, and rabbits and eggs and and all of that is part chickens. of fertility and chickens because they're they're you know. Well, chickens do that eggs, but not rabbits. But uh, all of that, and so when. In 300 AD, uh, in the 300 AD, the fourth century AD, uh, when the Roman Catholic Church was trying to pick holidays, they picked holidays that were already established and said, "This is, this is the day we're going to celebrate Jesus' death. This is the day we're going to celebrate his birth." Had nothing to do with the Jewish calendars as it should have, but just what they decided. And uh, which is one of the reasons I don't really get excited about calling. Easter, Easter, I, and you'll hear me 99% of the time Resurrection is Resurrection Sunday. Because I hate the term Easter because it is a derivative of Esther. And for the most part, I'm not going to criticize people for what they do. It's just I've not been able to practice those things since I've learned what it, where the roots all fall into. All right, so we've got this, these two big feasts. Now, Following, if, if what people say is true, and I tend to believe them, that these fall feasts are going to represent events into, Christ, in, into Christ's Messianic rule, uh, Day of Atonement would be the day he returns to set up the kingdom. Okay, they believe it's going to be the return of the king, and that would be being one with God when he sets up the kingdom for the Jewish people and, and Jew, Jerusalem becomes the center of all government of the world when Jesus returns. And in uh, Joel, it talks about Jesus coming down onto Mount, uh, Mount, the Mount of Olives, the mountain splitting, the, the upper and lower seas being re renewed and cleaned up, which would be the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea would be refreshed. A new river will be flowing, and he will set up his kingdom. All right, uh, and quite an interesting, interesting place to be. And you'll find that these are all seventh, the seventh month festivals. 
first, tenth, and fifteenth. So the seventh month in the Jewish calendar is a very busy calendar. What's that? Huh? What is? The seventh month of the Jewish calendar. But so was the fall, the, the fall festivals was Passover and spring as soon as festivals. Huh? The, uh, spring. Oh, spring festivals. You had Passover and then right after Passover celebration was the starting of the unleavened bread and then first fruits was the first Sunday after Passover and then 50 days later, which will again always be a Sunday, will be Pentecost. Okay? So you had very, very fast moving holidays. When you have holidays in the Jewish calendar, you have them one right after the other. They're going by the Jewish 13 month calendar? Yes. Going by the Jewish The Jewish calendar. Not, 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 not a Roman, not the Roman calendar. We, we operate under what's called the Roman or the Julian calendar. Which is why it's sometimes hard to figure out dates when you go into different, different uh, places, especially when you get into, a lot of times when they give you dates in the Bible anyway, they're not even using the Jewish calendar. They'll use an Assyrian calendar or the Medo-Persian calendar. Uh, they all have different calendars because they dated the, the calendar would always start when the king took took reign of his his, his place wow. and even in the Jewish calendar you had one calendar before the 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 diluvian flood or the or Noah's flood and then they reset the calendar uh, six months moved forward after after the uh, flood so you got to make sure you're, and even to this day, the Jews have multiple calendars. They have the civil calendar and they have the religious calendar. So it gets very interesting when you start trying to match up dates and stuff. You have to know whose date are they talking about, what, which calendar are they using, and calculate from the right calendar. To this day, they still have two calendars. They follow one that's basically the, the yep. civil calendar, which follows most of the world's Roman Julian, and then they have the uh, religious calendar that sits over the top of that that is more important to, to those who are religious Jews. Uh, and so you've got all kinds of interesting things. Calendars, if you wanted to have a great study, go study calendars and times and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, inter it's an interesting study in and of itself. And... So you've got all of this going on right now. So let's look at verse 33. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall, you, shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day it shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you. And ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim a holy convocation to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering, a meat offering, a sacrifice, and a drink offering, everything upon his day, beside the Sabbaths of the Lord, besides your gifts, and besides all your vows, and besides your freewill offerings which you give unto the Lord. Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when is gathered the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you 
On the first day, the boughs of a goodly tree, branches of palm leaves, and boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And you shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year, and, you shall, and it shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. And ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israel's born, Israelite born shall dwell in booths, and your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God, and Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. So now we're getting ready to go into the Feast of Tabernacles. This is actually the most joyful celebratory feast that the Jews participate in. And if you've ever been around a Orthodox Jewish community on the Feast of Tabernacles, you will see everybody building these little booths outside of their houses. They will not dwell in their house for a week if they're Orthodox. And they will build these little buildings, just as it said, just as it said in here, out of the wood and, and camp under the stars and, huh? and live, live in them for one week. For, for their sake, it was a reflection of the fact that they had wandered in the wilderness and God took them into the wilderness. And this, this particular part of this celebration did not start until they entered into the promised land and it was a reminder of what they had gone through. And all of these feasts have two parts to them. They have the reminder part for their history, you know, Passover with the deliverance from Egypt, uh, unleavened bread, being without bread, the, the first fruits, is, which actually, again, is one of, one of those feasts that started when they came into the Promised Land and, and started eating the fruits. And in Pentecost, which was the harvest, you had the, the um, trumpets, which was to celebrate the king's coming. You had atonement, which was the celebration of your forgiving, forgiveness of sin. And then you had the tabernacles, which was the celebration of reminder of the fact that they had wandered in the wilderness. Okay, Now, for the future representation of this particular feast, the one that's the most joyous, most exciting feast of theirs, is the Millennial Kingdom. When Jesus establishes rule for a thousand years, and Jerusalem is the center of everything, and everybody will come to worship in Jerusalem. All right, during the Millennial Kingdom, everybody will worship in Jerusalem. It's the center of everything. It's the center of government. It's the center of worship, and all will go on in, in there. And this is the joyous time. This is when this is when God delivers to Israel the promise that that He gave them that they would be the one that ruled the world and they'll get to do it for a thousand years which no kingdom has ever ruled for a thousand years and every time Satan tries to set up a dictatorship you'll always hear them talk about a thousand year reign mm -hmm. Hitler. Hitler the thousand year Reich uh, even Castro talked about a thousand year reign for his for his family many of the the ancient the uh, kings of the mid medieval times talked about a thousand year rule. It was a big deal. God said that he's going to rule for a thousand years and since Satan has tried to implement people with dreams of a thousand year reign. Uh, and history tells us that you know, uh, empires last anywhere from 100 to no empires lasted more than 300 years. 
even Egypt, as many times as for as long as it was a dynasty, had many dynasties within in it that broke it up. China has had many years of rule, but many different uh, emperors have have run the country. So even though it's had thousands of years as a major power in the Asian area, it's always had shorter periods of what you call what they call dynasties. So this is this is if it's if we're right and, it, and these four fall feasts represent Jesus's second coming, this one would represent the millennial kingdom. It makes perfect sense. Uh, we might be wrong on the other two, but this one makes a lot of sense that it represents the millennial kingdom because it is the joyous, excited, <laughs> victory celebration that they're going to have. So let's look a little bit on it. it. Happens on the fifteenth day of the seventh month. And it says the first day is going to be a holy convocation, a gathering together and for the reading. You shall make an offering made by fire. It is a solemn assembly. The first day is a solemn assembly. And solemn assembly has a kind of an interesting thought about it because solemn means it's, it's expected. Something big is going to happen. And if you think about this, if this is truly the celebration of Jesus coming back to set up his kingdom, then you would expect it to be solemn expectation, that day of everything changes. We're ready to start the thousand-year reign. So it would be a very solemn day of great expectation. And we see this coming. And on that day, they, they were to do no work, and they were to make a, uh, a burnt offering, and it's going to be a very, th very quiet time. And if seven days later, they're going to have another Sabbath day. Now, Sabbath days happen a lot in the in the in the in the Old Testament. Okay, you've got all the feast days, the seven feast days, which have at least one, if not two, Sabbaths attached to them. You know, because a lot of them are seven-day feasts where you start with a Sabbath and end with a Sabbath. And then you have your every seventh day is a Sabbath. Then, as we get further in, we're going to find they have new moon sabbaths and and new season sabbaths there's you know and, and so sabbath you've got to remember one thing about sabbath is it literally means rest okay that is what the word means rest and god's provided plenty of opportunities for his people to rest and if you think about this during the weeks of the like this one with the feast of tabernacles in a seven day period you're going to have at least one saturday fall in there so you're going to have three Sabbaths in a seven-day period. You know, one on either end of the holiday and one someplace in the center, unless it just happens to fall on a, on a Saturday. So you're going to have all kinds of times of rest. And this is why when we talk about the Passover and they talk about Good Friday, you know, Jesus dying on Good Friday. It's a bunch of malarkey. He didn't die on Friday. I can guarantee he didn't die on Friday. The only thing is that when they figured out in the in in the fourth century, they were going, he died the day before Sabbath, so obviously it had to be Friday. No, he died on Passover, and uh, unleavened bread starts a Passover, uh, starts a Sabbath. So dying on Passover meant that he died the day before the Sabbath, no matter when Passover was. Okay. And because of that misunderstanding, we've had this whole mentality of Good Friday for 2,000 years. And it's a bunch of garbage because you couldn't die on Friday and be, and be in the grave for three days, as Jesus was supposed to be in the grave for. 
according to scripture. So if he was raised on... It's weird how they say like Good Friday. But it comes because of a misunderstanding because the early, the early Christians, number one, when Constantine declared that Christianity was the approved religion of Rome, not the, not the official, but the approved, it was the one that was, you were supposed to, you know, supposed to be involved with. They did not bring Jews in to help kill him because he was an anti-Semitic. Okay, he hated Jews. Okay, he became a Christian, but hated Jews. He hated anything to do with Judaism. And he banned Saturday, Saturday worship for all religions. Where was that? Uh, 327 AD, I think it was. And it's oh, in, yeah, the, in right. 400 AD. Right. I think it was 327 or somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, he banned Saturday worship. And really, the only one that it truly affected was the Jews, because the rest of them worshipped all, you know, a lot, a lot of other days, including Christi Christians. Now, Christians did originally worship on Saturday because they were part of the Jewish religion, and, but they also worshipped on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They met every day for Bible study and fellowship. So, and in the early, early church, they would meet sun, Saturday on the Sabbath with the Jewish people in the synagogue, and then they'd meet Wednesday, Sunday with the Gentiles who didn't want didn't feel comfortable going to the synagogue. So they actually worked both days of the week, okay, uh, until Constantine made it against the rules, and, and all of a sudden it become this big deal of the Lord's Day and worship on Sunday and all this other stuff. And it is sad that it got changed. Now, I kind of believe that we probably should worship on a Saturday. The only problem with that is every church I've ever seen that started worshiping on a Saturday started becoming very legalistic about every single rule out there and said, you know, well, if this rule is so important that we have to do it, then what about all these other feast days and all this other stuff? And you see this with a number of groups that are in the Messianic camp that, you know, that they practice Saturday worship and then they go, well, and you also can't, you know, you can't eat, you can't eat your pork, you can't, seven-day Adventists fall into that group. You can't eat your pork, you can't eat shellfish, you know, and they go, if you're going to start following the Saturday worship, you, you all of a sudden you start throwing in, every law has to be obeyed. There's a lot you can't eat. No flesh eaters, they call it. <laughs> yeah, that's beyond, that's beyond, that's beyond the laws, so, because the Bible clearly says we need meat, so, going beyond what the Bible says. Uh, so, the key to this is, we want to worship God all the time. And this is one of the reasons I like doing multiple Bible studies and, and multiple teachings, so that we can worship at different times and we can, we can grow and fellowship together because that's what it's all about. And Paul very clearly says, you know, some esteem one day more than another, and others, you know, another day says, but we're basically to love each other. You know, we're to, to honor, to give honor to, to those things. But this is a big deal for the Jews, is this, this particular one. And it says, seven days they shall make an offering by fire. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation. And they shall make another offering by fire, another burnt offering. It is a solemn assembly, and you shall do no work. And it says, these are the feast days that you shall proclaim. So seven feast days, they may you make, fire, make fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering, a meat offering, a sacrifice, a drink offering everything in upon his day. And we've, we've talked about these, these offerings. We're not going to spend a long time talking about 
these various offerings, but remember that the, the burnt offering is that dedication offering. The meat offering is not meat, but any all kinds of foods. Usually starts with the fine grain. Uh, the drink offerings when they poured out, poured out something. Verse 38, besides the Sabbath of the Lord and besides your gifts, besides your vows and besides your free will offerings which you will give to the Lord. So these are days that are special beyond the days when you just came to the temple to give an offering. And the thing you want to remember is at the temple, at the tabernacle, they did offerings day and night every day of the week. Okay? They didn't just do it on Saturdays. The big days were on Saturday. There was a big day, and that was when you really pushed it. But they made offerings whenever you wanted to come up and give a burnt offering. Whenever you came up wanting to do a free will offering or a gift, you could go to the temple or the tabernacle and present your gift. And God is saying, beyond all this free stuff, you've got these seven days when you will come to meet with him. And the, and there's the, the days when you had to come to the, to the Jerusalem. Every male had to come to Jerusalem three times a year. Passover, Pentecost, and Atonement. Those three days they had to come and worship. Now, granted, because of these days fell in so close together, they would usually stay and, and, and practice the rest of the holidays as well, but those were the days they had to be there. And they were a special thing. And you noted it was the males, the head of the houses, had to go. The wives and the kids didn't have to go, but the men had to go. All right, verse 39. And the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered the fruit of, of the land, what land are we going to be referring to here? Israel. Promised land. So this, this feast does not start until they enter into the promised land. Okay, just bringing that out for you. You shall gather, uh, you shall keep a feast of the Lord seven days of the feast of the Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. Okay, verse 40. And you will take unto you the first day boughs of goodly trees, which are branches, okay, the branches of really nice, majestic trees, branches of palm trees, and we've all seen palm, palm branches, you know, on that and boughs of thick trees and willows of the brook. And we've all seen, hopefully you've all seen willows, uh, you know, very leafy, leafy, kind of a floppy branch thing hanging down. And you shall rejoice before the Lord seven days. And they're going to take these branches and they're going to make booze, okay, with these branches. They're going to make, and they have very specific rules. This is, again, if you want to find out the rules for it, you get their little handbook, and it gives you the, the, the wood supposed to be this big and this thick and this long and this much space between each one of them. And these are very, very specific. And, the, and in Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the scribes would go around investigating all their booze near the, near the uh, temple, and all the temple mount would have booze all over the place. And families living in these booze that they had traveled for all this way to go to the temple and following very very specific rules on how they were to be designed and laid out and they were to be in these booths for seven days all right and this was to to re, for them to remember the days of when god was bringing them through the wilderness the god's protection god's god's guidance god's governing over them and it says and you shall keep the feast unto the Lord seven days 
in the year, and it shall be a statute for all your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in the booth seven days. All that are, is, all that are Israelite born shall dwell in booths. So any of the Israelites that were born as Israelites had to dwell in these booths. I kind of believe that that kind of led off the people that were proselytes because they weren't, this one says born. Okay, this is not just somebody who's, tra- you know, become an Israelite. And it doesn't include their servants and, their, and anybody from outside of the, the land. But this is a special day for Israel. Israel is to, to be, be lifted up. And it literally means native born when it says born. And your genera- that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. The purpose of this was to remember. To remember what they had gone through. And God does this a lot for us. For the, for the New Testament church, we do the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper is for remembering. Remembering what he did for us, that he died, he shed his blood and his broken body. And we have the, the whole part of the baptism, which is the showing forth of what has been changed in our life, the death to our old life and, and, a, and, a, and brought back to life to live according to God's rules and his way of, of doing things. And those are the only two that we really do in the Christian church as far as commanded in the scriptures. So to remember. Are they called like offerings? The Catholic Church calls them sanct- uh, sanctum, uh, sacraments. And they're required for your salvation to keep, keep fresh. We use them for re- memorials. And that's what Jesus said. Do it to remember. Remember. And that's what these feasts were do. To remember. And in, in, for us as Christians to look forward Two, and God has told us over and over in the scriptures to set forth landmarks. And you see all through Joshua and Judges, they set up memorial stones and they're going, do this so that when your children see this, they will, and they ask, what is this pile of rocks? Or what does this mean? Then you tell them the stories. And this is what we can do as Christians, you know, when we do different things, like Orthodox churches have a lot of a lot of things that they do that are symbolic and they have great meaning to those who understand them. I don't understand them. They don't mean anything to me. It's just a whole bunch of repetition. But as I've studied some of them, some of them make a lot of sense because they're giving you something like the Jews were told to do, have symbols that when when you do these, you tell your kids and you remind them and you teach them to think about God. And this may be something we're lacking in our Christian church a little bit at times. It's something to draw our kids into saying, why do you do this? What is the importance of this? And, but by the same token, when you do something like this, it also starts to become just so much routine and you kind of forget. It's just something you've always done. And this is what's happened to the Jewish population a lot. They forget that these things have real value and, 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 and meaning to it. Uh, the Seder that is done. Uh, you get different groups that will come in and they'll tell you all about, not just how we know it from the Bible, but there's things they do during the Passover meal that when you really start seeing the symbolism on them, it's amazing. 
you know, and they and they'll go in all the different symbols of using the matzah bread with its holes on it that showed the beating that Jesus took and the striped, the stripes where they cook it on their, uh, how they cook it on a grill and get these stripes across the matzah crackers, showing the stripes that Jesus did. They put three of them in a three matzah crackers in it and they move the middle one, which would be the sun, and go and hide it. And the kids play a game trying to go find, go find the matzah. You know, it's. Uh, which is the idea of go find Jesus. You know, and there's all these pictures in there of Jesus that are not in the scripture, but they're, it's beautiful the way it brings out the pictures of Jesus within the, the entirety of the Passover. And I would go so far as to say it probably has these pictures all through every feast if we understood how the feasts actually operated in the way they ran. I've only sat down on a Seder one with somebody going through all the different pieces of it and talking about how the bitter herbs represent the, the, the sin and how sin's been removed. And it's, it's wonderful to hear these things. And you know, maybe someday we'll have somebody come up here and do one of these discussions on everything about the individuals that most of my fans want $200 or more to come up for. And I can't see bringing somebody up at that cost. So. But there's all these different pictures that show. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> wanting to make lots of money. <laughs> wanting to make lots of money. But the picture of the tabernacles is that it's a rejoicing. It's the Jews celebrating. And it's a very, very joyful time for the, for the, for the Orthodox Jew to practice it. And, you know, sometimes in, in, in today's world, they just set up tents outside their doors and live outside in their tents. But... It's not quite done the way it's supposed to be, but you know, but the Orthodox still will actually build this little, you know, enclosure for them to live in, and it's made out of wood, and and then they'll put their wood framing away and get new new boughs of uh, branches to to make the next year. But this is a special time for them, and they use it to very much train their children, and it's an amazing thing that the Jews have maintained their belief system for all these years without having their own country. I mean, when the Jews came back into Jerusalem, they had, they had maintained most of their, their, their religion. They, some of it had been shattered over the years and everything, but they still considered themselves Jews. They still practiced Passover. They still practiced tabernacles. They still per, they, they followed these feast day because these feasts are part of who they are. And it's, and it's allowed them to say to their children, when they, whenever they do Passover, they do go, this is com commemorating that when we left Egypt. And they still tell their kids the stories about leaving Egypt and Egypt being destroyed by the plagues and, and being taken out. And when they get to Tabernacles, they'll talk about the wandering in the wilderness for 40 years before they got into the Promised Land. All of these things have their, their, their parts of their stories. And this is why, for Christians, if we're going to really follow Christmas and Easter, even though they're the wrong days and everything, we need to make sure that they are celebrations of our Savior. On, on Christmas, are we sharing with our kids, our grandkids, the story of Jesus' birth, the shepherds coming, the, that the, the Messiah has come onto the earth of the, to, to live a life? Or when we celebrate Easter, are we really sharing with our kids that that's the day that we're celebrating that Jesus rose from the dead in victory? Well, because it because it fit, doesn't fit because it doesn't fit in, yeah. It doesn't. No, I think it's for Jesus. 
But the election coming from dead, why is there AIDS? But there's lots of things. Story about Easter Island. I know, no, I know, but I'm just saying, no. you know. Easter Island isn't falling into it, so Easter Island's long after that started. But but even Christmas has many celebrations that are pagan in the, pagan in their roots. Uh, the decorating of the trees and everything come from the the whole worshiping of of the the trees and and the idols in a tree and decorating the tree. And it's also you find the verses in Isaiah about decorating trees and, and get rid of the trees that are decorated and and you know the burning of the Yule logs and all these different things we do at Christmas outside of worshiping Jesus pretty much come from pagan roots because it was a pagan celebration that they made the day of. No, no, and they've kind of joined together over the years. And I'm not saying most people yeah, I'm not going to get after people who decorate a tree because I, I know I don't can't think of anybody in our day and age that's actually worshiping the tree in their in their house. Uh, so I don't have a problem with it. It's not one that I get really excited about. But most people are not following the pagan roots of these things. Wow. So it's not it's not the end. The same thing with with Halloween. I, I don't like it because it is a, it is a pagan pagan and and demonic high day, and it's not one that I want to get involved with. Uh, but it is one that is out there that is celebrated. Like, on Christmas, that's one thing my mom, we always did. The first thing we did before the tree, we always put up our major stuff. Yeah. And that was our main thing. And even when we couldn't afford a tree, my mom made two pieces of wood, put in um, Christmas lights, and the major set was under. Yeah. And that's the good thing is to focus it on Jesus, and that's yeah. the most important thing. If, if, if people are focusing on Jesus, even though they're the wrong days and and, and all this other stuff. If they're focusing on Jesus and being able to tell the story of Jesus, then that is good. Because we need those days to say, these are the days we're going to focus on Jesus and tell the stories that are behind behind it. And it, it's a very important important thing. I have a question about Passover. You were talking about how, when they left Egypt. What year was that before Christ? don't know. Yeah. No idea. Huh? Approximately four and a half so they four and a half thousand it. years ago. About four before, uh, about two thousand years before. So they remembered it all that time. Oh yeah. They kept oh yeah. Two thousand years before Christ. At least, at yeah. least two thousand years. It's probably closer to three thousand years before Christ. So it was a long time ago. It's two and a half to three thousand years ago, before Jesus. Right. All right. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your showing us your feast and the picture of the value of it to the Israeli people and also Lord the picture of it as far as you the Messiah. And we ask that you go forward with us as we go this day. Help us to to worship you in a great way. We ask you to be with Amy as she's off on our vacation and let her have an enjoyable time with, with her family during that time and let her stay current on her Bible reading and following with you in Jesus name. Amen.